Amen. And now we have the privilege to hear our elder Mark Lett preach for us this morning. Thank you, Tyler. Um, So last week, if you were watching or if you were here, uh, you heard Jeff as he said, look, I know in the bulletin it says Mark Lett will be here. He goes, I'm not Mark Lett. I'm Jeff Ridgway. Well, if we couldn't confuse you anymore, this week, I'm not Jeff Ridgway. I'm Mark. So uh, we're going to spend a few minutes today in this brand new year, um, having just completed our celebration, um, going from 2021 into 2022, and uh, explore a little bit what God tells us and might help us as we approach this new year. Um, It is January 2nd. And one of the things that happens for many people, and I'm not saying everyone might do this, but I know many people, uh, at this time we kind of evaluate where we've been in the past, what's happened, and we begin to think about, based on that, where we're going in the future, and out of that comes the dreaded resolutions. Um, And things that might be things like, well, put on a little weight last year, I want to lose some weight. Um, I need to exercise some more, so I'm going to start, I'm going to join a gym. Um, could be that we want to learn a new skill, learn a new language, change jobs, uh, want to live in a different part of the country or a different part of the world. All of the things that we put can put our hope in. Um, and a question for us, as good as some of these things are, how does that work out for us? In many cases, some cases, I'm, I'm sure they, they work out just fine. But in many cases, we run into obstacles. We forget to count the cost before we launch into taking these resolutions. Things happen. Uh, we get distracted, things change at work, things change at home, we get sick, and resolutions six months later, what happened? Well, things happened. Um, if we're not careful, I think, and as we, as a church, think about where we're going to go and think about what we face in 2022, I think we have to consider there's a danger for us that we tend to approach this same look in the past thinking, look to the future thinking, and what do we do different? We tend to think of it maybe at times in kind of a worldly way. Uh, The things that we in our own strength, the things that we in our own wisdom can accomplish, the things that we think need to be done. Again, not necessarily a bad thing, but I think we are called to Scripture as we look back, as we read in Romans 12, 1 and 2, is to do this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds and your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're being called as we think and evaluate, as we think and look in the past, as we're commanded to do in scripture, we are also called to be transformed. We are also called to come and be, as we, and as we're being transformed, our wills are quickened and our minds set on the things of Christ. As we live out this short-term piece of time that we have here on this side of heaven. So with that in mind, we're going to look, take a little bit of a look at Psalm 46. Uh, Might be familiar to a lot of us. And we're going to go to scripture. And remember, as we read, this is, in fact, God's word. Um, Sometimes I think it's hard to remember for us in all the hustle and bustle and all the turmoil of just living that we hear from our God. Our God speaks to us as we read what he has given to us. And we're, so we're going to read from Psalm 46, spend a few minutes trying to understand what God is telling us, what we can understand about him. And it goes like this. God is our refuge and strength, 
a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams shall be made glad the city or shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you, great and mighty God, have given us your word. You have not left us here of our own. Heavenly Father, you have given us what you want us to know of you and what you want us to know of your son, what you want us to know and to trust and to hope in you for. Heavenly Father, I pray that in this time, as we take a look at at this together, that, Heavenly Father, that the speaker will be made less and you will be made more. Not just more, but you will be glorified. Not in clever words, not in cliches, not in good phrases, but, Heavenly Father, that you will be glorified in what is heard. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time, and we ask that we are truly, that your people come before you, and we, our hearts are fertile ground, and therefore we are transformed by the renewing of our minds as we read and understand you through your word, and that when we all leave, that we all leave knowing, or when we go back to our homes as we turn our technology off, Heavenly Father, that we will go differently, knowing that we have been in the presence of an all-holy, almighty God. And we ask this in your son's precious and holy name. So, it's uh, Psalm Psalm 46. Historically, this psalm, as we read this, we got a little bit of a context to understand that the writer of the psalm may refer some of the imagery and some of the illustrations that we see may actually be referring to the people of God and the experiences they've had with the people of God as the people of God have moved from Egypt and into the promised land and, and, and beyond as they've continued to grow and, and in their place uh, where they now reside, that the people of God, much like I think us, if we're not careful, have tended to be uh, resistant, have tended to be rebellious, have tended to walk, want to walk their own way, have tended to want to take on the patterns of the world around them. This psalm provides us in that context a, a view of what God is for us, and in that he encourages us to live out our lives trusting and hoping in his promises. In the psalm, we're, reminding, we're reminded who, of who God is, both then and now, and what he is and continues to do to enable us to live out this life in his rest, in his hope, in his joy, and to do it humbly and with confidence, even despite the turbulence and tribulation that we face in this world. 
And as we look towards 2022, I am reminded and I think about where we were just a mere 12 months and maybe going back 24 months from 1999, uh, 1999, that was not 12 months, that was longer than that, 2019, as we moved across the new year and into 2020, little did we know that within just mere weeks, we would be embroiled in this thing we knew very little about, not just because we didn't know about the disease, we have no concept of the turmoil of what we call the pandemic. And as we went through the year 2020, of course, there was incredible turmoil. And in the prayer that uh, Tyler prayed, he prayed to our God to help us as we understand and as we seek his face in dealing with the turmoil that we saw and that we see. The national turmoil, the political turmoil, the social turmoil, the international turmoil on top of having to deal with this new thing called a pandemic. And as we went through 2020, uh, we ended up at the end of the year 2020 with promises of hope, uh, of good things that we hoped for, um, a vaccine, other things that were beginning to happen. And so we went into 2020 with hope and went through 2020, and lo and behold, much of the same thing. And here we are, 2021, going into 2022, same thing. Different day, same, same thing. The psalm provides us is, is a way of actually looking through and seeing how God can help inform us as we live through this. And so we look at Psalm, we look at verse, uh, the first verse. What do we read? God is our refuge and strength, a very help, a very present help in time of trouble, in trouble. And so we see, and as we read this, the very first thing that comes to mind, we see the, the, the two words, God is. God is. In our minds, and I like this too, we want to say God is what? But in reality, God is. And that's kind of that, that, that two-word phrase is really expressing infinite, an infinite God. God is. That means he is infinite. I remember as a child, as I would sit on bed, I'd sit at bed, I'd go to bed at night, trying to go to sleep, I would sit, and I guess I was kind of a weird kid. I'm still a weird person, I guess. But I would sit and lay in bed, and I'd be simply thinking, okay, so if the universe is infinite, if it goes on forever, what does it look like when you get to the edge? What does it look like when you get to the end? And it gets a little bit confusing because you begin to say, well, when you get to the end, well, even if there's nothingness, there's something. And it goes on. And when you get to the end of that, and it goes on, and it goes on, I guess I had to find ways of entertaining myself. But God is. And when we say God is, that's, what, that, that's it. God is infinite. And he has created this infinite universe. He is infinitely powerful. He is infinitely holy. He is infinitely good. He is infinitely powerful. He is infinitely omniscient. God is. So we think about going forward, we can think about the God that we worship, he is. But then he goes on to say, God is our refuge and our strength. Now, as I was kind of looking through this and thinking about Psalm 46, it got kind of interesting to me because it does not say God provides a refuge, although he does. God provides strength, although he does. 
said, God is our refuge. God is our strength. So we worship a God, and as we think about what's going on today, well, we can live knowing that our God is our refuge and our strength. He is. Yes, he provides. Yes, but he is. And we think about refuge, when we think about that word refuge, what a refuge is referring to here, it is some impenetrable fortress, some place or location elevated high above, unreachable by the enemy, a place where someone being pursued can go and feel totally secure due to the fortifications. That's what God provides for his people. That's what he God provides for us as a church. And as things seem to go upside down, we can take confidence. This is our rest. This is where our rest comes from. It goes on to say, God is our strength. Okay? Our strength. <clears throat> we find this rest knowing that we don't have to think about our strength in terms of what we have to provide. Our strength in terms of our abilities. Our strength in terms of what we can do or what we can't do. Because this tells us that it is God who is our strength. In Acts 7.28, he tells us even, God tells us that for in him we live and move and we have our being. The very fact that my heart beats, the very fact that blood courses through my veins, the very fact that my lungs work, the very facts, fact that the blood cells carry oxygen to the parts, that all works simply because of the strength that God is. He holds us together. So we learn that he is our strength. He, we also learn that God is a very present help in trouble. Now, growing up, and I think we tend to, and we've heard people talk about this from the pulpit and lessons and Sunday schools and that, you know, God is somebody we can approach in our times of trouble, but, you know, God is there for us in all times. And, and, and that's true. This does say help in trouble, but I think the part of this phrase that stands out to me and I think we should take note of is that a very present help. He's a help that we don't have to go looking for. He's a help that's not somewhere distant. He's a help that he's actually there and near. He chose to draw near to us. We have an example of this in the tabernacles, the tabernacle that Moses was commanded to create, build this place that was a um, not temporary necessarily, but it was uh, a place that they could pick up and pack up and carry with them as they uh, went through the wilderness on their way to Canaan and actually even when they got to the promised land. In this, this is the place that we read where God actually dwelled. He actually dwelled in this finite location where he could dwell among his people. He inhabited the tent of meetings, the tabernacle. After they built it, and they would move it, and he would inhabit an infinite God who is inhabiting a finite space. I, that just, as my uh, young grandson will say, that blows my mind. But that's the God who is for us. In Christ, we have Emmanuel. As we sing Christ, the Christmas carol, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God with us. We read in John 1.14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
God didn't leave through his infinite plan from the beginning. Christ was to come. Christ came. He was God in flesh. He was both man and he was both God. And he dwelt among his people. That's the God who is near. He is our present help in time of trouble. And even then, Jesus tell, told his disciples, he says, I'm going away. They didn't understand. And he said, I can't stay. I have to go away because when I go, and only when I go, can the Holy Spirit come. That's when he left and the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in his people. So even now, in the church and in us, the God who is dwells in his people by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, church, as we look in 2022, as it seems the world is going upside down, where do we look? Where do we look for our rest? Well, we look to a God who is. He is our refuge, who is our, is. He is our strength, and he is near and a present help in time of trouble. The psalmist goes on to illustrate this for us and creates kind of an extreme, kind of a contrast. You know, we have this, this wonderful picture of God being this, and then he says, look, he says, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its dwelling. Now, that's a little bit hard to comprehend because the only place I've ever thought about a planet being exploded was in the first episode of Star Wars. I don't remember the name of the planet, but it, it, the Death Star blew it up. That planet was removed. Well, that's what it's saying here. It's creating this picture of the earth, our dwelling place in this universe, being removed. And even though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, I'm reminded of years back, people who dwelled at the base of this place called Mount Helens. Mount St. Helens, I'm sorry. In Washington State, this catastrophic event as they loved this mountain, as the mountain was their source of their income. And within an in, in, in just a few seconds, a large portion, I don't know how much, but a large portion of that mountain was literally vaporized and spewed into the, miles into the atmosphere and was gone. So we think in terms of those mountains carried into the midst of the sea, waters roar, an ocean that is pounding the mountains and such that the mountains actually shake. We have this contrast. But then right before that, and I switched it intentionally, we see where it says, therefore, we will not fear. We have a picture of something we can't understand. We have a picture of who God is. Therefore, because even though the, mount, the earth disappears, even though the mountains shake and jump into the sea, even though the water is so violent that it shakes the earth, even though God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our present help in time of trouble. Therefore, and that word, I was taught somewhere that anytime we see that in scripture, we want to go and look right before it and see why it's therefore. Therefore, we won't fear. In Romans 8, we're reminded, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a wonderful, wonderful promise to us. We don't depend on our strength. We don't depend on our wills, 
But our rest lies completely and solely in the fact that God dwells with us. And Christ has secured this rest in his obedience, in his sacrifice, and him now living right hand of God the Father. We go on and we read, not only is God our rest, he's also our hope and our joy. Or we might reverse that, joy and hope. As we think about what next, as we go through this upside-down world, as we transition from 2021 into 2022, we can read in verse 4 and 5 this wonderful verse of hope for the church. There is a river whose stream shall, be, shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. In these verses, we see the picture, the psalmist giving us a picture of a river. Now, when we think about a river, we, think, we can think historically. Think about our country, just our country alone. If we think about most or many, I won't say most, but many of the major old metropolises that exist in this country, they all exist because they exist on a body of water. Many times they exist on a body of moving water, a river. Why is that? Well, a river is a source of transportation. A river is a source of the transfer of easy transfer of goods and services from one location to the next. An easy way to transport materials. It's a source of food. It's a source of substance as the waters are used for irrigation. It's a source of all of the needs of a group of people who are building a community and all the services they may need. So a river sustains, builds, and grows and sustains groups of people. We're given that picture here, and it says, There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. And here we're speaking of, or the psalmist is speaking of, the dwelling place of God, God's dwelling place where he lives. Jerusalem, the holy place of the tabernacle, where the tabernacle is, is where he is. And as we think about, just as an example, in Jerusalem, and I didn't know this, and and uh, I've never been there, but Jerusalem is a major city that does not exist near moving water, doesn't, near, doesn't exist near a large body of water. As a matter of fact, apparently there's only one small trickle that moves through Jerusalem that feeds into the, the pool of Shalom, or Salome, um, but it's just a small, almost insignificant pool. But even that becomes a picture of sustenance, of peace, of calm, and of quiet. But more importantly, I think for me that this stream is really a picture of what God is to his dwelling place, to his people. He is the sustainer. He is the one that provides hope. He is the one that provides the sustenance. He is the one that provides for those with whom he dwells in his place, which essentially is our joy. And it's also our hope from the standpoint of the future. God will have his dwelling place. He will have his dwelling place in the future. He will, and that is where we look to to dwell. He will be the sustainer. He will be everything and the joy for that city and the hope for that city. 
Goes on, God is in the midst of the city. God is in the midst of her. Not the city, but his dwelling place and those with whom he dwells. Because, it says, she will not be moved. This is our hope. Because God is in the midst of her. And how is the God in the midst of us? He is in the midst of us because of Christ. Because Christ came and dwelt among his people. And Christ has secured that. And because of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in his church. God is in the midst of her and therefore, and it doesn't say therefore, it's actually more definitive than that. Therefore, she shall not be moved. His dwelling place will not be moved. And we think in this and we we are encouraged because of we see God's attributes, his power and his strength and his love for his dwelling place that he has established. So in that, even though things are going upside down, as we look into 2022, we can have joy and we can have hope because God has established his church. He dwells in his church and his church shall not be moved. And it goes on. And the psalmist says, the nations raged, or God, I'm sorry, God shall help her just at the break of dawn. This refers to as kind of a battle picture that when they used to have war against each other, groups would do battle. At night, they would go back to their camps, but at dawn, they would all meet on the battlefield, and at dawn, they would begin the battle. So this might be referring to us in the church that God is here for us as our help at the right time. At the time that the battle takes place, God is there. He is our present help in times of trouble. And it goes on, the nations raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. Refer, nations raging against the institution of God's dwelling, raged against the institutions of the church, raging against the word of God, raging against the things that we see, that we even see today. Kingdoms are moved against. I think today it can be a little bit unnerving for us in the church because as we see things happening, uh, we're beginning to see, I would well, not beginning, I think we've seen and God has, Jesus promised this, but I think in recent times, at least in my young, short time on earth, it seems as though we're beginning to see more blazon actions as authorities and as uh, our institutions are beginning to try and compete. I think I was uh, reading um, about an article that uh, a very prominent today uh, authority figure stood and in a speech makes the comment that you know we've tried this Jesus thing um, it's, tri- it's, it's time that we tried something else um, and it, we, we hear and we see that as, uh, as time goes on it seems that the secular uh, values are beginning to compete and try to compete more and more with these values that we know and what God tells us and, and, and says in his word I read uh, uh, an, an article about a poll that was done um, as we look at the church, and we see that since 1999 uh, up to 2021, the church, uh, uh, people who claim to have any affiliation with the church, has dropped from about 70% to 47%. Um, looking at these figures, it's easy to get worried. It's easy to get concerned. It's easy to become uh, distressed. However, what do we read here? 
that our God shall help her just at the break of dawn. As the nations rage, the kingdoms were moved. Our God, who is all-powerful, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. What's our response? Our response is here. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The Lord of hosts refers to a God who is the supreme commander of the armies of heaven, who at his beck and call, at his bidding, do as he commands. This host is with us, fighting for us, fighting forces even that we don't see. Church, we take heart. We have hope. We have joy because the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of uh, Jacob is our refuge. And then we're called in terms of our humbleness and confidence. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. We are asked to look back and to come and see what God has done. I was given an opportunity a number of years back in the middle 90s, which was an eternity ago, I'm beginning to realize as I go and say this. But I had a chance to go and do a little bit of mission work in East, uh, East Berlin. Um, and we got to spend time in both East and West Berlin. Of course, the wall was no longer there. Um, but it was remarkable to see the remnants that were left behind even then. Uh, in the late, uh, from the late 40s all the way into the mid-90s. Uh, we, we, we would sleep in the office building, which is a three-story building, and as we would go to our place where we were uh, refurbishing a, a family's home, a family center, uh, we would pass an old church that had been repurposed um, as, as a child care center. And it was a pretty big church, and it, was, it had this nice uh, red brick facing. And as we would walk by, I think the first time we did it, we all walked by, even kids that were high school age, walked by in silence. Uh, because we noticed that in the walls, we saw the walls pocketed with six-inch bullet holes. The, the holes were still the remnants of those, uh, of those invasions as the Allies began to come in and retake Berlin. Uh, in this horrible time, the remnants were still there. And we went to West Berlin, and we came out of the train station up this escalator. And the first thing I remember seeing was the burned steeple of what we call the burned-out church. That remains the remnants of this horrible, horrible conflict. Well, we're kind of called to see those kinds of things here. Uh, it says, come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. This might be referring to wars, recent wars at the time of the writing of the psalm, uh, where uh, enemies of God had started to war and oppress against um, the, the people of Israel, God's people, and God overcame in a miraculous way this great, these great armies and literally wiped out these armies in a miraculous way and burned and all of the implements of war were destroyed. And look at the battlefield, the remnants could be seen and the battlefield was a desolation. <clears throat> he makes wars to cease. We have hope in that God promises to end all wars. 
on the other side of his making a new heaven and earth. And he will break the, break the implements of war, and we will truly have peace. That is a joy to us, and it should encourage us, because he is our defender, and he is our hope as we look forward to a future time. And this takes us to the next verse, which I think, I believe, for me, is the climax of this passage, of this, of this psalm. And it's one that's probably pretty familiar to most of us. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. And it begins with this, again, a two-word phrase. says, be still. Um, I think of my mom and growing up in church. Uh, they always sat in the back of the church. I, I, I think it was because of us. Uh, my, me and my two siblings, uh, well, it's probably just me, but we would sit in the back of the church, and, you know, after the, uh, the kid-length hour, which was really about five minutes, um, we would begin to get fidgety, and she would look at us, and what would she say? She said, be still, stop, shh, quiet, and here we have a picture of God saying that to, to, to his people. So stop, shh, be quiet. Be calm. Wait on God as he accomplishes his will and purpose. This command could also be referring to God's command to his enemies who war against him, attempt to war against him, telling him to stop their warring and their fighting. The command also could be relevant to us, by the way, for us to be still and to be at peace and to calmly wait on God to accomplish as he accomplishes his will. It could also be a command to us in the church to stop our busyness, to stop our warring. And we see this as factions and as people begin to fight against one another. And God goes on to say in a declaration that he is God. We can have hope, we can have peace, and we have confidence that we are still, we know and understand him, and that he is our, and he will be exalted regardless. And then what follows is another proclamation of worship. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. As we say la and pause. So as we think of going into 2022, where do we go? How do we apply this? Well, I think for us, we need to think about as we pray. We think about as we read and teach and learn and understand about God in his word. And we seek to walk and worship in a way that is fitting and honoring to Christ. And as we do so, we ask ourselves, in what and who are we seeking as our rest? Where and in what are we seeking for our joy? In who and what do we hope and in what or whom do we trust and place our confidence? In Jeremiah, we, we, we actually kind of have an answer. Jeremiah 9, 23, 24 says, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight says the Lord. As we go forward to 2022, let's look to Christ. 
Let's look to what he has done as he has secured our rest for all eternity. We look to Christ to find our joy and our hope, knowing that he came and dwelt among us. And we're humbled as we recognize the grace that we have been granted so undeserved. And we're confident in Christ's promised return. As we move into a new year, yes, unknowns, upheavals, may we set our desires to ask that Christ shine in and through us as his truth lights our world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we are not alone. We thank you that you tell us who you are. Heavenly Father, I pray that this will become our confidence and that this will be a way that you transform us to walking more like you, Jesus. So we thank you in all this, and we ask in your son's precious name. Amen.